Hey, what's going on? Jason Bay here. Thanks for checking out the Blissful Prospecting Podcast. I'm on a mission to help reps and sales teams turn complete strangers into qualified opportunities in paying customers. So you're in the right place. If you're looking for a way to get more results, more meetings, all of that good stuff from your cold emails, your cold calls, your LinkedIn messages, and that sort of thing. Today, we're talking to Sean Paulseth. He is an executive VP of Sales and Partnerships at Wedge. And what we're gonna be talking about is event prospecting. So both virtual and in-person. So let's get to the interview. you know happening of course a lot of the events have moved you know virtual and as of right now you know in January of 2022 at least it looks like a lot of places are you know kind of reopening doing more events I know there's an Omicron spike and all of that kind of stuff but it's a kind of a mixed bag I think also depending maybe on the country that you live in too so what we did with this one is we tried to look at events through the lens of both in person and virtual so what we talked about is Sean, who um, is just so experienced when it comes to events, is like what to do leading up to the event, how to get meetings around events, how to use event content for follow-up, how to get meetings with the speakers at the events, how to segment. We talk about texting. So really how to use texting, LinkedIn, all the different channels to find the preferred median, uh, medium excuse me, of the prospect. So we're going to dig into all of that stuff. So both how to do this from an in-person and virtual perspective and we just kind of riff on some stuff too um, towards the end so I think you're really going to enjoy this if you're doing any type of event prospecting or prospecting around webinars or inviting prospects to events that your company is hosting and that sort of thing uh, before we get to it got a quick favor if you could on Spotify you can now leave a rating so if you if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify it would mean a lot to me if you could go there if you click on the blissful prospecting podcast just the player page there's a little rating button there on the left. If you could click on that, leave an honest rating. You don't even have to write a review. Just leave a rating. It takes like five seconds. I'd really appreciate it. It helps grow the audience, get more eyes and ears on it, all that kind of stuff. And uh, without further ado, let's get to the uh, interview with Sean. So how did you get into sales? I was doing some poking around on you on LinkedIn, but what was your what was your first sales job? Uh, you know what? It was uh, a great question. Um, I kind of fell into the sales role or sales profession, I should say, by accident, like a, like a lot of people did. Um, but it was it was in media. So a friend had mentioned, hey, you should apply to this role um, kind of as like a, a junior account executive in the media world. So what I was doing is selling events, like sponsorship to events. Now, these mm. is back in the day when there wasn't any email sequencing or we didn't even really have a CRM. I just had a big stack of papers with phone numbers. So it's literally with whatever past notes I had or someone else that in my role before had notes on. So a lot of it was just high volume, transactional. I'm getting on that phone, standing up. It's kind of near the tail end of the kind of the boiler room um, sales approach. Um, so that was my first role. I kind of moved from like selling sponsorships to more on the advertising side and um, yeah, so learned a lot of great skills and whatnot on, uh, I guess, on the on the cold calling front, which has still, till this day, has been advantageous. So, um, yeah. Do you remember what the first time was that you sat down and you actually had to make a, just a bunch of cold calls in a row? Like, how, how did you feel about that? I was sweating. I was terrified. I, it, it was an open concept <laughs> office, so I was literally sitting there. And so no one could hear me and I'm like arm's length around everyone around oh. me. And it was just a horrible experience, but I just kind of programmed myself because my sales leader, you saw something in me, which I, I really appreciate and, and whatnot, but I know I probably sounded horrible and everyone's like, why did they hire this person kind of thing? And I kind of programmed myself to do a script um, and then kind of got more confident throughout. Um, but yeah, the first day was grueling at least. <laughs> So when did you start to um, get into more like event style, like prospecting in person or through obviously virtual events are really big right now, which we'll, which we'll kind of get to, but what was the, what was that like the first time you did it when you had the inside sales experience before, you know, where you're calling people over the phone and, you know, doing that kind of thing. What was that like? 
Yeah, no, for sure. So transitioning from kind of selling the events, because then I would actually be at the event and I would kind of figure out how people are selling at the, all my sponsor, how are they selling at their booths? What's like, what's working, who's getting business and who isn't. And I kind mm-hmm. of, analyze and research like kind of who is who is because they would obviously come back to me and be like hey that was terrible right hey you know what we got a lot of good great great business and then you kind of try to replicate it from from there but um it was interesting because when i moved to the SaaS side of things i worked in kind of um an hr technology specific space and media that i saw a lot of these cool um, startups and i'm like you know what i want to jump on that SaaS train so when i moved there and kind of started from the bottom up there as a bdr once a bdr or what What's a BDR? Always a BDR, I always say. So the skills I got there was was invaluable. And the same with the, the phone skills that I got, um, which were great for that too. I started attending these events and on the other side. So because I, I had a unique position because I've seen how how you should prospect events, how you should approach them, what works and what 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 doesn't. By the time I was actually selling at kind of some of these events, I was somewhat prepared. Now, like I, like you said, virtual events, it's a whole different ballgame, like the past year or so. Um, but there's still some kind of fundamentals that I think that I learned from in-person events, and I'm sure they'll come back and they slowly are, um, that have been super helpful in terms of engaging. And, and the great thing about events is, is that the, all that relevant, all that content that's there is relevant to those speakers and, and those companies and those people that are attending it. So you can use it today to really help book those meetings or have meaningful conversations on the floor or, or whatever the case may be. So I think events... Um, are, are a great source of, 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 of ways to, to book meetings and, and get your foot in the door. So let's look at the process then. I agree with you 100%. I think that the, I think events are kind of, I think they're really underutilized from a prospecting standpoint. I don't think that people really know how to, how to really utilize the event to get meetings. You know, what does the sure. preparation look like when you know an event's coming up? Like if we get really basic here, and for you it might feel like 100 you know, one-on-one level, you know, kind of stuff. So feel free to keep it really, you know, kind of the basic stuff is, is totally fair here. Um, like how far in advance of an event should you be thinking about the prospecting leading up to the event? You know, I think that's a great question because you can, you can, I would say even a couple of touches, like two weeks before or a week prior at, at a minimum, like I think, yeah. Um, acclimatizing yourself to some of the people that you're about to see. And let's say, use an example as there's an in-person event, you're about to go, you're with the team, you're super excited, and you may you may have an attendee list because you're a sponsor, or maybe there's speakers there that you're like, oh, that is that is an account that we, that is a VP that I need to talk to. Um, I would even send them a like a, an email or two leading up being like, hey, this is a very high level you know what, I'm super excited. Uh, or are you Are you going to this event? Like, are you going to this event in the subject line? Just put the event. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to, to network with other people in the in the industry. Um, keep it very high level. Um, or if it's someone who's specifically speaking on on a specific topic, you can then put that topic, because all of that information, the summary of what they're talking about is right there. That is perfect for putting in your body of your paragraph or putting in the subject line, maybe the title of their session. Being like, I'm really looking forward to to your session, you may not even want to connect with that person officially, but you want to make known that, hey, this is who I am and I'm going to be at the event and I would love to introduce myself to, your, to you in a way, you know? So you can kind of, and that's where video can come in too these days. Like yeah. Video, what a great way to an in-person event is to send, whether you have an attendee list or maybe a speaker, a, a video of yourself maybe replying to one of that original emails just saying, hey, looking to network at the event, being like, this is who I am really excited about your session on X, Y, and Z, um, looking to learn more. It would be great if I could get a, if I could learn more from you and I could buy you a coffee. And, and, and you can, the, another great thing about the events is that because it's such a long day, you can, you can book 15 minute sessions and meetings, like 20 of them in one day. Now I wouldn't say you want 20 coffees in one day. You may have a heart attack and maybe mix in <laughs> some waters, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, it yeah. you can, you can, you can mix in a lot of meetings in one day. It's overwhelming at, at times, but, it's a great way to have conversations in, in, in much faster than any way, any way else, I would say. Um, yeah. yeah. So what is your goal then for an event? Do you want to ideally have meetings set up in advance for you to meet with people and have it kind of structured? Like, how do you, how do you think about that part? Yeah, for sure. I, I would, 
my goal is always to try to book at least a couple meetings before. I think there's mm-hmm. it's always advantageous to put yourself out there. Like for sales professionals, we interrupt people all day. That's kind of what we do. So it's always, yeah. I think, also good to sit down in a group of people that you don't know and have conversations. Because um, another great segment of this is that you get to learn from even some of these sessions. Let's say there's someone that has a specific session and you sit on. You can use what you've learned from there. Maybe you don't sit in for the full hour and a half because it's a panel. But you learn a bunch of stuff there. You're now educating yourself. You can have more meaningful conversations to anyone now in your kind of circle there because you've been listening in on it. And, and like, that's why I think being attentive and taking notes um, and having conversations with people on the floor, maybe because they're not um, like having, you're not having a designated meeting with them per se, but you're having conversations with people, maybe not most relevant, but they can get a referral from you because you were just a nice person and had a conversation, just, just being a human, yeah. you know, so... Uh, I think there's a balance. There are people I'm sure out there that go, you know, as many meetings as possible in one day. I kind of try to do at least a couple main meetings because if I have an attendee list, I know there's some big players there and I want to I wanna have a conversation with them. I'll try to target them or maybe they're a speaker. And I said, hey, you know what? I really want to connect with this person. Um, and the, the best thing about that is, is that because there's so much information on the event posted prior, you can use all that kind of stuff and be like, hey, does this even align with my product and what we can value? You know, like all of this is kind of constantly set up beforehand to have more meaningful conversations with these individuals. Um, so kind of a mix. Like what is your, um, what is your, um, I guess your experience with events now? I know that you've been coaching the probably big sales teams. Like where have they seen successes in those events? Uh, one of the things, and this is what I was going to ask you about next. I agree. The yeah. lead up to the event, you know, one to get some meetings. It's great if your company's sponsoring. Yeah. And you got the list of people that's, that's yeah. money. Um, one thing I've seen a lot of success with is we're hosting like a VIP dinner yes. and yep. then inviting people to it or some sort of happy hour, something that you or your company host and you are very strategic about the people that you invite there. And if you have existing clients that are going to be there, that's kind of a cool thing too, because then I can reach out and say, Hey, Sean, notice you're a VP of sales at so-and-so company. We're hosting a VIP dinner with a bunch of other VPs of sales from companies like this and this, I'd love to introduce you to everyone. Want me to send over some details like that really that simple, that short, that works pretty well. But I don't know, is that something you've done before with the dinners or happy hours or anything like that? Cause I think it's a really good way to stick out from everyone else that's going to be there. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, the beauty of being in events and all these events are typically at least one of them is going to be hosted in Vegas. And what better way yeah. to then do like a happy hour and, and, and they, I feel like some of the leaders there or maybe VPs that you're after, like they maybe just want to unplug after doing a session or being on the floor all day yeah. and just have a drink and have a conversation. So yeah, 100% I've done that. And I think that's great. Um, particularly, like you said, maybe they're strategic partners that are already there. Maybe there's people that you haven't met in person. Maybe there's two or three strategic VPs that you're looking at, um, or you're looking to have a conversation with. That's a perfect way to do it. Um, even for half an hour to drop by, um, anything like that, definitely powerful. It's kind of, I don't know if you think about it like this, but I kind of think of it like, and this is also the part that makes me very anxious about it is it's kind of like high school or college where if you got a lot of buddies and friends, people are going to want to congregate around you. If you're yes, with a lot yes. of people and you're having a good time, do you at events? Um, well, let me actually kind of share first still to this day, to me going to a conference and it's a little different now, if I go to a sales conference, odds are that I'm probably going to, if people don't recognize me, yeah. I'm probably going to recognize and know some of the speakers at least. So I have people there that I can talk to, you right. know, um, but it's still kind of like the thought of going to somewhere and not really knowing anyone is just, that makes me anxious just thinking about it right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was that journey like for you? Was it like, is it pretty easy for you to talk to people at events? Do you have any tips, you know, for people in terms of just, they might have a tough time kind of just introducing themselves to someone or walking up to someone and saying hi and getting a conversation started any what has what your personal journey been like yeah no and it definitely started off not in the most comfortable state for sure um yeah. but because i was kind of on the other side of the fence watching making sure everyone was having a good time and like the, the people that had sponsored it had been are, are actually selling and they're getting out there and kind of stuff i kind of was kind of already a, a bit acclimatized to the event environment but i think because I still get nervous going to events because sometimes I'll just go on my own and just trying to mingle around. It's like, good God, it's overwhelming. There's so many people. What am I going to do? Like, 
I kind of just sit down, even if there's maybe a table of two or three people, maybe they have a breakfast or there's a, a dinner or, or a kind of a lunch thing or people are there having a coffee. Sitting down there and before really putting yourself out there and wandering around to different booths and, and slowly getting yourself comfortable in the sense of just having one or two conversations maybe with someone who is sitting beside you and you're having breakfast and you're just talking about the event. Like, hey, what are you, yeah. what are you looking forward to, to seeing? Like, or have you seen any good sessions? Maybe it's day two. Some of like very simple conversations like that kind of gets you going. You're having conversations with people that maybe you normally wouldn't. Maybe it's not even a sales prospect. Who cares? You're just kind of getting comfortable and having a high-level conversation. They're probably sharing, yeah, no, I'm overwhelmed too. I want to go home kind of thing. Um, so I think just slowly getting yourself immersed in there instead of just kind of diving in. Because like you said, it is tough. And I, I go to events all the time. I'm like, oh, God, like by the end of it. Or even at the beginning, you're like, okay, there's so many people. I don't know what to do, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that the slow approach is, is sometimes nice. And there's other people who will be just like you. They're sitting there and want to have a brief conversation, but that's it. Um, and it kind of gets you more comfortable for the, the bigger conversations later that day. Yeah, I think that's good advice. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of the equivalent, I think, of just going to a coffee shop in the morning to get your day yeah. started and just having a conversation, even with a barista, you know? And it's like, okay, cool. I'm in a talking, social, you know, kind yes. of mindset now. So what about um, post-event? What do you do after the event? What's the follow? Or, or even, I guess, after the meetings, what are, what are you trying to accomplish at the meeting? Are we trying to set something up for afterwards? You know, what's that process look like after the event? Yeah, no, for sure. So if you've had a meeting or let's say you set up a meeting for 15 minutes for a quick coffee, maybe it's a speaker, maybe it's someone on an attendee list that you connected with. Um, your goal is just to, to learn more and figure out, hey, is this worth my time? You know, and you can just have a very high level conversation with them and, and be like, hey, you know what, For we work with companies such as X, Y, and Z, like kind of just be frank with them. Um, we're seeing child, we, we help alleviate challenges associated with X, Y, and Z. We're, I'm here to, to learn a bit more, but obviously meet other companies because you, at that point, you've probably prospected them because they have some relevance to your current, um, your current customer base or people that you've worked with before. So you kind of already know there's going to be some relevance there. And if, if anything, you probably already know they're a good fit, but you want to obviously give them some time. So really trying to book a, t uh, or book a meeting on like after that, after that 15 minutes introduction, Particularly if you wait until after, let's say, a session that they just spoke and said, hey, you know what, um, really great session. You, you touched on a couple of things. I, I wanted to see if you had some more time because they're probably going to be overwhelmed. They, they just spoke at an event. They don't want to be pitched. They don't want to be pitched by anyone probably at that point. But just saying, hey, you know what, I, it was great. I, I learned a bit about that. My company helped alleviate in, in, in a couple of things that you had mentioned. Would it be worth a conversation um, later on down the road or in a week or so? And really try to get them um engaged if you've had that kind of 15 minute conversation um and if you haven't met anyone or maybe it's someone at an event or, and they're speaking or you never ended up connecting with them using the content at the events so if this person's speaking at a, a specific session why don't you use the content for your follow-up and i mean it, it, it and actually staying let's say in a session and learning a bit more about let's say um, whatever the case may be, or, or, or like a certain topic that you help or challenge that you help alleviate, put that kind of stuff in that um, follow-up sequence. So let's say your uh, your target is speaking on X, Y, and Z. Why don't you give them a call and be like, hey, you know what? I, I, I heard your session last week. It was awesome. I learned a lot um, on, on X, Y, and Z because you actually listened and you took notes. They will be very appreciative that you actually took time to listen to them or actually absorb some of the information there. And this is all dynamite information that you can use on follow-up emails. So if you do a three email sequence right after being like subject line, maybe it's the event, maybe it's the session, maybe it's something that you know that it's a big topic at the event because they're on that attendee list. You're like, hey, did you learn a bit more about this? Um, what was your take on that? Or what was your favorite session? You can use that as your email follow-up, maybe mix in a video as a reply, give them a call. Hey, you know what, well, I learned a bit more. Um, really just using what you learned at the event. And even if it's a virtual event, you're not even there, but all of that information and maybe a webinar or, or you, you sat in on that and taking a couple notes, intertwine that with your email sequences. Use that in your body of things. Being like, hey, you know what? I learned about this. Um, you touched on X, Y, and Z. My company does this. We work within your industry. And, 
and, and help alleviate some of those challenges as well. Um, thought it might be worth 15 minutes. Um, are you open to learning a bit more? Like just be very, um, I think not too forward, but saying that you actually put in the time to learn. Um, and in the, and in this, in this, in, in, in doing so, you actually educate yourself in your own industry. So it's a win-win really at the end of the day. Um, I just thought of an idea too, where with content, I think using, even if you're not reaching out to the speaker, yeah, using notes from your talks that you think would be, or from the talks that you attended at least, that would be relevant to that person. For you sure. know, hey, thought XYZ was really interesting on how they're talking about the future of sales development. I don't know if you caught so-and-so's talk, but wanted yeah. to see if we could, you know, compare notes. And also I noticed that you're doing this, want to see if there are some things that we might be able to help you out with this year, you know, related to XYZ problem, you know? Um, For sure. I really like that. So how does this apply to, because in-person events are really making a big comeback. It looks like even with the COVID surge, yeah, people, yeah. Are, people are still doing it. Um, what about virtual events? How does this framework apply to, you know, virtual events that my company might be doing or even webinars, you know, either virtual conferences or webinars or things like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Over the past year or so, I kind of, and I'm sure a, a lot of people did, are, are signing up for events. Any AE or BDR or SDR should be attending these events. There's, there's such great information that they can use by educating themselves, but also obviously for prospecting. So for virtual or, or even a webinar, if I was prospecting a webinar and I knew a couple leaders on it or even a leader on it that I wanted to get in touch with, I would send an email or two before that webinar, same kind of structure, use the subject line as maybe the title of their session or of that webinar. Um, be like, hey, looking to learn more. Um, or hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to your session. Not even saying you're, you're not even saying that, that, that you want time or anything like that. Just saying, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to attending and learning more about X, Y, and Z because that's kind of in their summary there. So just familiarizing your name with them and then even doing like a, a reply. If it's a virtual event, you can even throw in a video. But after that webinar, let's say, um, I would use what you, and actually listen in and take notes. You don't have to maybe listen to the whole thing, but there's probably two or three things that you know if they hit on, okay, those are things that we can actually help with. Genuinely, you know that. You can now follow up and I'd obviously give them a call. I think phone is still of utmost importance, but also even LinkedIn. So obviously the trifecta yeah. of sending them an email, calling them, adding them on LinkedIn, but using the subject line as looking forward to your webinar tomorrow or good luck tomorrow. Even on a virtual event, if there's someone that you're prospecting the day before, I found a lot of people reply with is good luck tomorrow in, in the subject line. Just oh, saying, wow. okay, you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to, to your session and learning more. And then they know who you are. And then after the virtual event, it's like, hey, you know what? You really touched on some amazing things. Um, I wanted to see if I could earn the, the right to learn a bit more from your end. My company helps with X, Y, and Z. You mentioned that. Um, would it be worth uh, worth connecting at some point kind of thing, you know? Um, and little things like that. And, and virtual events are great, too, because it, like a webinar, there's certain webinars throughout the day. And if it's a big in industry event, there's cool technologies now that you can now go on and you can actually see all the attendees. Like I was on a virtual event the other day and they had like an app that you downloaded and you had a full attendee list and you could reach out to any of them through your phone, through mobile and just introduce yourself knowing, hey, and you could do that to speakers as well. So you could do this on this app while the event was going on. Hey, good luck in an hour. I'm really excited for that. And then right after being like, hey, that was a great session. Congratulations on a great session in your subject line or on that app or in an yeah. email, or in a Vidyard, or in a LinkedIn thing, being like, hey, great session at whatever event, or, you know? And they usually accept that. And when they accept the LinkedIn, boom, you send that Vidyard, introducing it. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just leveraging that content, um, surrounding it, because it's relevant to them. Whatever they're speaking about, or, or that person's going to see, it's going to be relevant to them today. So use that, and you can now max personalize pretty much any medium that you're going to reach out to. So it's really yeah. cool. Like you can find, you can find so many different ways and use this information in multitudes of ways. But it's very similar. Like a couple times before, a couple times after, but using all that information that you've learned too. I love those subject lines too. You know, yeah. because now you have an email chain going with something, and even if they don't open that first email, you follow up afterwards, and they see an email they got from you beforehand that was just no ask, good luck with your talk, you know, kind of thing. I like that. 
I've gotten a lot of success on just the good luck tomorrow, to be honest with you. The 24 yeah. hours before, the day before, hey, good luck. Yeah. Looking forward to learning more on whatever it is. Um, and they say, hey, thanks. You know what? And then you have them. You know, you have them in that subject. You have them in that email thread. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. So let's dig in more. You've talked a lot about using industry content. So if we kind of go down, down that rabbit hole for a little bit, yeah. we have conference content, but you mentioned something around award shows, webinars, podcasts, all of that oh, yeah. kind of stuff. How do you think about leveraging content in outreach? When I started off as, as a BDR, I really, the key to success is immersing yourself in your prospects world. So what better way in, in, to do that than, than figure out what content they're consuming or they're presenting in or anything like that. So doing Google alerts on um, signing up for different newsletters that maybe they're even going to be featured in and certain prospects are going to be featured in. Signing up for webinars. Award shows are great prospecting events, frankly. Like if, there's, if that company, one of your companies are going after had won an award, use that. Hey, you just won an award in that subject line. It's a good way to open up those emails and you have to kind of build on that. Um, but immersing yourself in their world and there's podcasts now that people are being featured. There's a podcast on, on everything. I'm sure there's one per industry um, that these leaders are, are part of. You can do the exact same thing that I did was talking about with webinars, reaching out. Hey, look, that was a great podcast. You touched on that or an audio book that maybe a leader had, had written. If you had, if you show them that you've actually listened to any of those or um, consumed some of that content, they're going to be appreciative. You went above and beyond pretty much anyone else, and you're educating yourself at the same time. So I really think the importance of immersing yourself and educating yourself will, will get you to stand out because at the end of the day, when you do have those conversations, you've been reading and analyzing and, and taking notes and, and even listening. Like you, You'll be able to have those conversations, and it will come more – you'll be more confident talking about that industry maybe you just started in. So so yeah. like that first year and, and two or three years in that industry, immersing yourself, it can be grueling at times, but it will pay off for sure. Um, yeah, it's interesting because there's, I mean, with a podcast, it's kind of an obvious one, but there's also, you know, have you heard of a tool called Seeking Alpha? I have, yes. Yes. Yeah. So thinking yeah. alpha is pretty badass because you can find these quarterly, these public quarterly reports. And oftentimes there's a recording right. of the quarterly. So you can hear a CMO at a publicly traded company. Maybe that's an account, but you can hear them talk. Yep. And you just, uh, I don't know. I feel like right now you're so spoiled as a B2B sales rep in today's age, because there's so much information out there. It's just kind of a matter of finding it. But I love that idea, you know, award shows, webinars, podcasts, taking the time to put that stuff in. How do you, are there any hacks or anything like that that you incorporate to get through some of this content faster? Like looking at transcriptions of podcasts instead of listening to them, you know, anything like that to, to get this information a little faster so you don't spend, you know, 10 hours a week researching people? Unfortunately, I do not. I don't know. I, I do like the fast forward in audiobooks when I'm walking my dog, but then I'd end up not even listening yeah. to any of it and I get like one thing that I've learned. No. Um, yeah. But I usually just try to segment my days. I know there's a lot of great other um, sales leaders out there. If you look at their um, calendars, it's like every Monday morning or Sunday evening or Friday afternoon when you're planning the next week, just dedicate a couple hours of listening to some webinars that you've saved. Um, in some folder. Um, now to get through all that content, I'm not sure because it can be overwhelming. There's been times where I'm like, I've yeah. subscribed to so many newsletters. I have, there's no way I can get through all of these and I actually have to start unsubscribing because it's just overwhelming, right? Yeah. Um, uh, have you seen anything that's been helpful for that? Um, of getting through some of that? Because there's so, like you said, there's so much information yeah. now. It's hard to sift and sort. I think there's a couple of things that you could do uh, one, this is a really simple one, but most videos have a way to play the video back at 1.25, yeah. 1.5, 2x speed. Yeah. So I watch a lot of stuff at 1.5. Two is a little fast if the person's a fast talker. That's oh, something yeah. that you don't really think about. But if you're, let's just use 10 as an example. Yeah. If uh, if I would normally consume 10 hours of content, 
shit. Now remember, we got to do math here. If I'm reading, if I'm watching no 10 at 1.5x, that would be five hours. I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's going to be faster than 10. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there's that podcast. You can do the same. That's right. like, you know, that's a really simple, your audiobooks, all that kind of stuff is a really simple one. Another tool I like to use is called Feedly. Okay. Have you checked out Feedly? No, um, no. So Feedly, here, let me, people won't be able to see this on the yeah. podcast, but let me share my screen real quick and I can kind of narrate what I'm showing. Right. Sean here. What I like about Feedly is you could basically sign up to the RSS feeds of your favorite blogs. So I have one for oh, sales, wow, okay. for example. So when I open this up in sales, it's going to have all the articles of all the sales blogs that I subscribe to or the outbound blogs and it's free. Um, I really like Feedly. So you could, you could, let's say you're doing enterprise stuff at the beginning of a quarter, you could subscribe and put all of your prospects blogs into there. Now at a really high level, you know, Mm. you can see what's going on. Um, I think that's a really good one. Another one that I like is Evernote Web Clipper is kind of cool. Okay. You've seen that. And uh, so if anyone uses Evernote, what you can do is basically clip an article and like tag it and, do, and you know, categorize it and all this other stuff. So you could clip things that are helpful. The other thing that I do too, um, this is kind of a, takes a little bit more work, but if you're using, you know, Outlook or Gmail, yeah. you could send emails to yourself and you could create a rule that with a certain subject line, it'll categorize and put it into a folder. Well, so okay. I like using stuff like um, like on your iPhone, there's automations, right? So you can create an automation where it's email idea is what I click on on the little desktop. And then what happens is it automatically populates an email like that that says idea in the subject line already. Oh, okay. yeah. so when I send that out, I have a filter in my Gmail setup to where any incoming in, uh, mail that comes from Jason at blissfulprospecting.com with idea in the subject line gets routed into a folder so it stays out of my inbox you know hey that's genius yeah little stuff like that um i think there's a ways to uh, blinkist like there's there's ways to summarize books really fast too oh yeah um i've heard about those i have blinkist now i think that's what it's called i'm likely mispronouncing Mm -hmm. it though um but if there's a lot of like industry books in your, you can you can knock a lot of those off, like knock a, a bunch yeah. of those off in an evening, um, using some of those summary apps and whatnot, which I think is helpful too. But oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. getting a high level overview of someone's book is all you need to talk to them about it. You don't need to read 250 pages of their, oh, of God, their no. stuff. You yeah. know, no one's got time for that. Um, God, I'm trying to think of this. If there's any other. God, learning how to speed read is a big one. I don't know how to do that. My wife can speed read. She didn't have to learn how to do it, but she can, like we went to the library um, a couple days ago, or maybe this was over the weekend. I mean, she got eight books and she's almost all the way through all the eight books in the last four days. God. And these yeah. are books on investing, real estate, you know, books like that. <laughs> yeah, and she uh, can retain the information. That's a really good skill if you want to learn <laughs> how to do it. But, um, okay, so I got to, kind of a random question for you to take this in a bit of a different direction. Cause I feel like we yeah. talked about the events and all of that stuff, put yeah. a bow on that. If you had to rank, so if we look at the four channels of prospecting phone, email, LinkedIn, and then let's throw in person yeah, and direct mail, let's throw in there too. If you had to rank those in order of where you feel like you're the strongest to the weakest, what would the order be? And then I'll do it. It just might be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I would say phone is first yeah. just because that's kind of what what i what i learned i i still think phone is is paramount in any sequence or prospecting or anything like that outreach before Me a too. demo after a demo feedback anything you know and i think there's so many great ways to find mobile numbers now and stuff like that so even if you're texting if you're texting with a prospect that's great so i'd say phone um Second one might be in person. I, I always think having, I think my first sales leader always said you need to have at least one in-person meeting per week. Now it's kind of hard to do that these days and whatnot. And if you're a remote role and like selling internationally, it's tough. But I think making a connection in person is always good. 
Um, I don't even think I'm the best at doing that, but I think just going out there and having a meeting with them, they get to know who you are, you're genuine, you're authentic, you're actually interested in them. I think anyone yeah. can be good at that. So I think in person would be second. Um, third, I, link, I would say maybe it's LinkedIn. I would say LinkedIn only because there's so many cool ways you can do the LinkedIn direct message. Um, I've learned from even your podcast and whatnot, you can, you can follow people, you can tag them in, in cool content that you've come across to give them a heads up. Hey, you know what? I'm after you kind of thing. Or even sending a vidyard. I've seen a lot of success sending a vidyard through a LinkedIn direct message. I, I don't yeah. know. Pe- people aren't, haven't done a lot of it because even like the leaders that I sell to are like, whoa, I haven't seen that before. What is that? So like it still yeah. isn't widespread yet. And it, it's kind of makes you stand out in the crowd. So I'd say LinkedIn and working LinkedIn is such a great um, way to prospect. Put yourself out there so other leaders know it's great for your job um, and, and networking and everything like that. And then the next would be email and then indirect. I, email's always evolving. You know, I don't think I'm the best. I'm always learning from other people, learning from yourself, learning from KD, yeah. learning from John Barrows, you know, different ways to do that. Um, but yeah, I think leveraging this content. But yeah, I would say the first top three would be LinkedIn, the, the phone. Um, and yeah. Interesting. What about you? So for me, I would definitely do phone number one. I sort yeah. of, I grew up in sales going door to door. And then yeah. call centers I spend a lot of time in. So oh, okay. phone always was, uh, that part came pretty naturally to me. Phone, and then I would say, yeah, I'd go phone, email, LinkedIn, in-person, direct mail. I can do in-person. It just feels like I am having to go do a CrossFit workout when I'm doing it. It just, it's not, it's really unnatural to me because I haven't done it a lot. Um, I would say, I agree with you a hundred percent on phone, by the way, I think that the reason why phone becomes less popular or doesn't quote unquote work as well is I think that people use it less because mm-hmm. they think it doesn't work. And it's just a kind of never ending yeah. thing that feeds into itself, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy right. email is, is interesting because if you consume sales content on LinkedIn, you think every salesperson sends videos, but you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, I, I ever get a video and salespeople reach out to me and I help with prospecting, you know, none yeah. of my clients prospects really get videos at all, you know? So the only thing that I think is a challenge with video, I don't know if you see this a lot, but if you're sending video through email, it's sometimes it just, it's hard to keep it out of the spam folder. When you yeah. put a video in there. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I usually do video and I, yeah, because the spam folder catches the links, right? So any links that yeah. you send and anything like that. And I don't know a workaround to date, to be honest with you. I don't know if you do, but I usually send a video on the second email of a sequence. So like, yeah. Yep. And being like, Hey, and just a quick, concise, I think yours is any thoughts. I do like, Hey, does this sound interesting? Or are you open to learning more? Something quick, short, yep. and then there's a video of yourself just waving or wearing a goofy hat or having your dog with you or something, whatever the case yeah. may be. A lot of cool stuff you can do. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's another thing. And, and video has evolved. And I think I even was listening to a, a KD podcast and he's saying, I have so much content out there and I'm talking about using video, but people will still prospect him and not use video. It's like, if, yeah. once again, if you listen to what they're saying and, and even the content we're talking about webinars or what they're talking about in an event, and they're saying, hey, I'm this and that, use that information to get a hold of them. You know, like yeah. it, it almost seems painfully obvious, but it's still not being adopted. And I think everyone's trying to move away because no one really likes cold calling, to your point. Like, I think I, I kind of do in a, in a weird way, but like that's because I've just been doing it for so long. But yeah. Because I just, it's like almost like an instant gratification thing. Okay, I can book a meeting faster, kind of like an impatience thing. Yeah. But, um, but people are trying to move away from the phone because they, no one really likes doing that. So yeah. they want to find other mediums. So I might as well use video more. But I do think yeah. you have to use all of those now. There's more touches than yeah. ever to, to get a hold of people. Um, if you're like, if you're prospecting CIOs, you're, those people are getting bombarded, you know, like the, the C-suite and whatnot. Like you have to do every single thing. Maybe they're on LinkedIn. Maybe they use the phone more, you know, maybe they do yeah. texting. you find that out fast. Like texting, I think is yeah. another thing is underutilized on the phone too. Um, at, at in-person events, that's another thing. Texting is 
is something that you need to, it, it's really convenient to get a hold of people because people on their phones all day, they're not on their computers at their office or, or their home office now. They're on their phones. So texting through phone, I think, is through the roof. And I've gotten a lot of responses that way. Being short, hey, this is who I am. I just send an email. Let me know if that sounds interesting kind of thing, you know. Or, hey, I'm at the event. So, so looking to have a coffee. Are you open to it? You know, so I think that's another um, area in the phone that is underutilized and should be. Okay. Before we talk about texting, because I wrote that down from earlier, yeah. you touched it. I had, I think a good way to compare the channels a bit is that... So I just got into snowboarding and the thing that people always right. say with snowboarding and skiing is that snowboarding is harder to pick up on, but easier to get good at. And skiing right. is yeah. easier to start with and harder to get good at. Well, I think email is a lot like snowboarding or uh, uh, skiing, excuse me. It's easy to do because you can just batch blast templates. It's actually really, I think, harder to get really good at email than it is to get really good at phone. Phone is just, once you get over the hurdle of making the phone call, Having a conversation with someone is the most natural thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Talking. Everyone knows how to fucking talk. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. <laughs> That's why I love it. And video, same way, where you're just going to get on. And if you can really channel this, I'm going to pretend Sean is like that I'm actually talking to Sean when I record this video. If you can channel into that part, which just takes practice, yeah. video is just such an easy medium. I can send so many videos in the amount of time it would take me to write emails and do all this other kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, let's talk about texting though. So, so this is cold texting. So yeah. if you called yeah. a prospect, they didn't pick up, you send them an email, you'll send them a text. What oh, yeah. kind of response do you get with that? And how do you suggest going about texting? Cause this is something I have never tried or suge suggested trying cause I don't have any experience doing it. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's kind of a bold maneuver. I started doing it even like pre, pre COVID or, and I would only text them if once again, if, if I see them open up an email, for instance, or something like that, I know that they're on their email. Most people get emails on their phone now. That's the reality or, or LinkedIn, um, in mail and on their phone. That's why you have to make it a certain, um, size and everything like that. Right. So it's, once again, it's in conjunction with a bunch of other things. I don't just text them and that's it. I, I text them. I connect the dots. Hey, I just left a, a voicemail. Um, my name is Sean. I always identify myself. Like you have to say, hey, my name is Sean. Um, I work for X, Y, and Z. Um, working with companies such as this, thought there might be a parallels because we're helping them with some, we're helping them with um, X, Y, and Z. Wondering if you're open to it. Um, or even say, P.S. I sent an email from Sean at. So once again, connecting the dots. Now, have I gone people to saying, Hey, fuck off, man. Yeah, for sure. Like, don't touch me. Yeah. Like, that's a little too personal. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I've gone people, they're like, please email me. But great. They've now responded. And then you can call yeah. them. Like, then yeah. it, they just responded in the text. Like, hey, no, please don't use phone. Once again, you're trying to figure out the medium that they like best. Yeah. Right? So, like, and texting, I'm not saying it's going to be the end all be all. But once again, working it in conjunction with everything else, you just want to make sure they know who you are and you can get to a no faster or maybe to that meeting. You know what I mean? And I, but there's definitely times where they're like, yeah, you've crossed the line. Like, don't call me at dinner. Why are you texting me at night? Like, kind of thing. Yeah. I would suggest doing that. But like, it's another medium that people should be, that's underutilized, I think, um, in conjunction with everything else. But. Yeah. What we'll have to do in Outbound Squad is maybe we get you and a little, little pod together of people to test some texting stuff. Cause, uh, for sure. Yeah, I do think it's a very underutilized medium. And the other thing too is that, you know, your biggest challenge with the phone right now is that people don't pick up the phone. Right. You know, it's like a 4% industry average pickup rate right now. So unless you're using a dialer, it's really just unproductive to pick up the phone in, in many cases. And uh, it's, it's tough, dude. It's tough right now on the phone. I think utilizing the time zones, like I remember when I was a BDR, I would segment times. Now it's changed because everyone's working from home and you don't want to be calling people when they're getting their kids ready for, for school or something like that really pisses yeah. them off. I've come across that a couple of times, but yeah. using times like right early in the morning, right fresh, like it used to be a time right before they would start their day. Like if you look at a VP's um, calendar, it is eight to four or whatever, you know, like you have to, think of times that they, unless you get super lucky, which happens as well, and those dialers help because you're just hitting as many people as possible. But working time zones like, hey, I'm waking up at seven, I'm making four strategic calls 
to strategic people, but in conjunction with an email, a Vidyard, and a LinkedIn connection, and maybe even a text after you call them at 7.30 for 30 minutes before 8 a.m. Eastern, because you know that's probably when they start their day or even a lot earlier, that can yeah. work. And then at 11, work the Pacific time. Start calling people at 11 a.m. for half an hour that are just starting their day or at the very end of their day kind of thing, like yeah. you're driving home or right before dinner, or if you're really bold, you can do it at dinner. You know what I mean? Like, I think working the times is still, is still something of like, it's advantageous yeah. today too. Um, but it is getting harder to your point, hundred percent. Like it's not getting easier. That's for sure. God, it's funny. All these little tricks of the trade too. One thing I got from Mark Hunter, he always talked about was calling five minutes before the end of the hour and five minutes after the end of the hour to try to catch people between right. meetings, you know, which, which works. The, uh, I think the hardest thing right now with the phone, again, is getting people to pick up and the, uh, dude, the toughest thing I have with recommending a dialer is that, you know, I used to use these on B2C in the call centers. I mean, you got a predictive dialer, you got 20 agents sitting in a room and you got yeah. like 80 to 160 lines dialing out for them. I mean, yeah. calls, it's just cooking, dude. I mean, it's <laughs> literally, I remember there were times we'd look at and it would show 20 seconds is all the time that they would wait between calls. Right. So as soon as they hang up, 20 seconds later, they're connected with another human. It's just ridiculous. But you yeah. you run through data so fast. In B2B, what I've seen with that is that, you know, Ethan Parker, for example, I worked with him a, a while ago, before we even launched Outbound Squad. Yeah. And we were working together on his intro, and we got his cold call conversion rate from like 7% of the connected calls converting into a meeting to about 35 40%. Yeah. You can't do that with a dialer, man. Like no. you're not going to get a 30, 40% conversion rate because you're just, you're dialing everyone. You don't have time to personalize or, you know, you're just going through and it's, I don't know. It's kind of tough. If you've got a huge target market, I think it's great. But for enterprise, it doesn't really seem like a very good option unless you're just putting everyone in that just doesn't ever pick up the phone. You could never get a hold of. And this is like a last resort. You know, it's right. better than nothing. Right. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on dialers and you know, that sort of stuff. I know it's very contextual depending on your business and who you prospect to and all that kind of stuff. But what do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that when I first started out and I had the big stack of papers with phone numbers on it, there was always yeah. enough information on there that I could have, like I had things called competition, like a competition area that I would write notes about competition or relevant people that we already work with in that industry or, or whatever the case may be, but they've had a base amount of information on that company, the different people that I should be talking to that I could ask for a referral or, Hey, do you work for with so-and-so if that's not a good fit um, that I could have a meaningful conversation and you try to kind of segment it being like, I'm going after this industry and then that. So you'd be able to have that. So the point I think is, it is tough to do one of those dialers because you don't you don't have that information in front of you. Like you may remember some of that, but there's no way you can if you're going through like boom boom and you're just being connected constantly. You're gonna be like I've done it before and stuff like that, and I booked meetings that way. And I we ended up scratching it in one of my startups that I was working with. But um, I think in enterprise or anything, you can't really you can't really have a conversation with them. Like it, 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 you'll be missing out, I think, on kind of more of a strategic conversation that you can have if you are prepared. Because I think preparation is, is key. Like when I do, before, before any day is done, I always write the people that I'm calling in the morning, their number. And if you've worked enough in that trade, you already know what the competitors are, you know what your advantage is, everything like that. But if you're just starting out, you need some information there that you can at least be like, okay, well, we work with another healthcare. Hey, this is how we're helping them today. We think that, oh, you're in the same region. Oh, oh we, we, you're hiring in the same amount of uh, areas. Like there must be some similarities or parallels that we may be able to help you as well. But you have that information in front of you. The dialer is just way too hectic. And maybe I'm just not skilled enough, probably not to, to handle that. But I like being prepared. I like being strategic. Hey, these are five dials that I'm doing in the morning or 10 or 15. This is information I have on all of them. And you'll get better because you'll you'll know your your tool better and your technology and everything like that. But yeah, no, it is tough. I I understand the dialers' approach now, those speed dialers, because it's tough to get people on the phone. But it's hard. I feel like people are missing out on um, like leaving out some meetings that they could be booking if they were more prepared. 
but that's just my two cents. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. What do you think about it? Have you used a dialer before? Like, what does that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh. Oh yeah. It's just the. Yeah, there's just pros and cons to everything. Yeah. You might have eight conversations in an hour, but and get one to two meetings, which is more. And maybe if you dial manually for an hour, you maybe get one meeting mm-hmm. because you don't talk to enough people. Right. When you look at it from that standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. But I also look at, oh, that means six people, six, seven people told me no. And, and one out of eight conversion, that's 12 and a half percent. That's, that's pretty low. Yeah. You know, and I think about enterprise and larger mid market, the opportunities are more finite. Again, dude, if you got SMB and you're like, dude, I got hundreds of thousands of people to call through, I think it makes more sense. And I'm selling something that costs 500 bucks a month, 1,000 bucks a month, that makes sense. Yeah. If I'm trying to sell a $500,000 deal, or even for me, a training gig is 30, 40,000 bucks for the company. Yeah. Dude, I call a VP of sales or a director of sales and I just give some boilerplate intro. And maybe that's not fair because they're gonna be a little harder on me because I help companies with outbound. Yeah, exactly, there you <laughs> but, go. Uh, this is not going to work, you know? Um, dude, this is fun. We covered a lot here. We got a couple minutes left. I always like to give a chance just to any last thoughts, words of advice, anything like that when it comes to events and how people should think about it. And then let us know where we can connect with you and check out what you're up to. Yeah, no, for sure. So I think um, anyone starting out in a new industry or um, an AE role or anything like that, and always make sure to um, immerse yourself in any of those events, virtual events, webinars, pod- podcasts, like we were saying. I, I think all of those areas are, are great ways to educate yourself, but also book meetings and, and prospects and everything like that. Like that, that, that is a starting point is the education piece and immersing yourself in their world. Um, and in the meantime, really, no, not in the meantime, but at the same time, you're able to, to, to book meetings as well. But yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Jason. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with anyone. Love talking sales, partnerships, strategy, anything like that within the startup world specifically as well. Um, it's Sean Paulseth um, on, on LinkedIn. And yeah, it's been great, Jason. I look forward to the next uh, Outbound Squad as well. So, All right, that was a fun one. I think the biggest thing for me that I have not tested really with Outbound that I want to test is texting. So it's something I'm going to be thinking about over the next you know month or so in testing uh, both myself and with some clients just to see... Uh, how it goes, how it works, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So that's it. Appreciate you tuning in. I would love if you left a quick rating on Spotify, if that's where you listen to podcasts, would help grow the show. The other thing too I want to let you know about is there's a free cold calling training on our website at blissfulprospecting.com. Right at the top in the menu, it says free training, click on it, and it's on cold calling. Specifically a framework that you can use to uh, three to four X the conversion rate of your cold calls. So how to properly structure and nail the first 30 seconds, how to ask questions in the middle so you don't get lost and how to ultimately close and confirm and secure a meeting. So go ahead and check that out, blissfulprospecting.com. Click on free training at the top and we'll see you next episode.